You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Much for that teenagers, let's take our Bibles tonight. Proverbs chapter number 20. Proverbs chapter number 20 in the scriptures this evening. I've been enjoying just taking a verse out of Proverbs, these wise sayings, and being able to uh, just speak about them a little bit and, and, and preach and, and glean some things for myself out of here. And I hope tonight's message uh, will be a help to you. We talked this morning about how life is not fair, and then tonight the title of the message is Blows and Bruises. So I don't know what today is going on with these messages, but I tell you what, uh, you're, you're getting all the bad news today, all right? But uh, I did want to make mention of this as you're finding your way to Proverbs chapter 20. Uh, Brother Derek Thomas was here last Sunday night to Ukraine, and uh, he was raising uh, funds. He's in the States right now raising funds for uh, their, the, to, to give aid to people over in Ukraine and uh, we wanted to raise about, we wanted to get to $7,000 to buy a truckload of food, a, tr- a literal truckload, to get to the people in Ukraine. It goes, it goes all to that. There's, it doesn't go anywhere else. And so if you weren't here, but, or if, even if you were here and you'd like to give to that, you can give online with just a little note there. Uh, if, you, if you've used our online service before, you can notate what it's for. And Derek Thomas, Ukraine, you can put that. Of course, there's envelopes there if you want to take an envelope and and give it to an usher, put it under the, 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 the door of the office there or something. We'll make sure that that gets to where it's going. And uh, I haven't gotten a total yet from all that's come in, but I will get that this week. And if there's anything missing, we'll make sure we take that up from our missions fund. But I want to just let you know that, okay? Let's take our Bibles here to chapter 20 of Proverbs. And I want you to look at a, at a, at a strange verse tonight. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 30. Proverbs 20 and verse number 30, and the Bible says, The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. I'm sure this is probably a verse you've read before, but maybe you've just been through there and thought, interesting, chapter 21, verse 1, and and maybe we just continue on without digging into what this verse is saying. So I want to talk about this verse tonight, preach a little bit here about what this means and, and uh, the wisdom behind this. The word blueness there, the, the blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. When, what do you call it when we get a blue wound or when a wound gets blueness around it? A bruise. That's what the word means. The blueness of a wound is also the word bruise. And so the, the verse could read this way, and wouldn't be wrong. Bruises cleanse away evil. Well, that's strange. And then it says, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Now, what's stripes? Well, in, we know in the Bible that uh, in the New Testament, Paul received stripes. It was a blow. It was a, it was a striking. And, it, and that's what it means. It means a blow, hence blows and bruises. It's a hitting, it's a striking within a non-fatal way. And so we, we see blue, uh, blueness, we see bruises, and we see stripes, we see blows that are coming. And, uh, but, but notice that it's used in a positive light. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. 
It's an interesting fact of life that sometimes bruises are necessary. Sometimes bruises are necessary. Sometimes bruises can be good things. But how can that be? How can a wound, how can a bruise be a good thing? So we're going to talk about that. Let's pray. Father, bless, I pray, this message tonight as, as messages like this. The truth, it's fun to preach messages, but sometimes the truth of the messages is so convicting, even to the one preaching it, especially sometimes to the one preaching it as, as the study has gone into it. And I pray that you'd please just tonight work in our lives and teach us what we need to see and what we need to know and how to have wisdom in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When I was a kid in Arkansas, probably around the age of five or six years old, I, I loved basketball. We walked out, I, I would walk outside our house and I had a, just a dirt mound that I had worn. It used to be grass, but I worn it into dirt because I'd just stand out there and play basketball. We had a, a, a gold mounted in the ground. It was an adjustable one. But when I was a kid, I was real short, real scrawny. I know it's hard to believe I was very skinny and very short when I was, uh, when I was uh, even for my age, not just because I was a kid, but even for my age until I was about 10 years of age. And uh, so I was, I was outside, play all the time. There's not much to do in Arkansas, so uh, I would just be outside shooting all the time and uh, having a good time there. Well, one time, I, I was really young, and I wanted to be able to dunk on the six and a half or seven foot goal, you know, we, I lowered it all the way down, and I was like, you know, dunking is like the coolest thing you can do in basketball, and I've got to be able to dunk. And so I went and I got a crate. It was like one of those plastic old crates, like a milk crate. And uh, I remember I brought that crate out, and my mom told me, don't do that, you're going to get hurt. But I thought, I'm five, I'm six, I know better than my mom. And so I brought that crate out and I put it on the dirt right there in front of the basketball goal. And I thought, man, I got this now. I got my launch pad, this is going to be great. Well, I did. I, 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 you know what, it was successful. I, I sit on the crate and I was, you know, it's only this far off the ground, but I was like nervous or whatever. And I jumped up and I dunked it. And I came down and landed. But I missed the crate. And so as I fell, I fell and I hit the crate. And I hit the crate, not on my side, but very close in a very sensitive spot around back, you know. And uh, I remember on, I, I, I was like, oh man, this is killing me. That hurt. I was a kid, I, I got up and dusted myself off, you know, and, and okay, maybe I shouldn't do that. Mom and dad was right. And so I, I took the, the crate back and, and all of that. And then the next day I said, Oh, Mom, I don't know if I told you, I, I fell hard yesterday. And she's like, really? And, uh, and uh, you know, so in, in, in process of time, she's like, let me see. Now, for like a five-year-old boy, it's like, why do you want to just drop trousers and show your mom what happened? But I was like, okay, because there is, Mom, there is a little bruise. And she's like, oh, let me see. And so I showed my mom. It was a softball-sized bruise. It was, it was pretty much encompassing the whole area. And my mom was like, oh, you know, screamed and all of that. But, uh, you know, I've never looked at, you know, even seeing that wound from when I was five or six, I never looked at that wound when I was at that age and said, good, I needed that. I did look at it and say, cool. That's all I said, you know. Look at that. I didn't think, I'm dying. You know, as a kid, I'm like, that's awesome. It didn't even hurt. So why are bruises, the, and we've all had bumps and bruises and all of that. Why is it a good thing? Let's look at the verse. The blueness of a wound, a bruise, cleanseth away evil. And the picture there of cleansing away evil is of a wound that's being, uh, that, that you're cleaning dirt and impurities out of a wound. It's cleansing away the evil. It's getting the bad stuff out. 
That's what it's talking about. A bruise is doing that. And then it says that stripes can cleanse the inward parts of the belly. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Now, that's an interesting phrase. And in the Bible, there's different things that things symbolize. Have you ever, ever read, you know, uh, that uh, something about the heart and the reins? And the reins talking about is really the kidneys. And, and so what do the kidneys signify? What does the stomach signify? In this verse, I believe it's talking about the inward parts of the belly is referring to the heart, really, the inward part of you, the, the core of your being. And so uh, blueness of a wound can cleanse away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. So the blows and bruises that are coming are talking about discipline and correction. That's what we're talking about tonight. Discipline and correction. What does it do? Discipline and correction sets us back on the right path after we've lost the path. That's what discipline and correction do. And it keeps us from wanting to go back down that same path. So when God is correcting us and, and when correction comes and there's, a, there's the blow, there's the bruise... What is that meant to do? That is meant to steer us back to the path that we're supposed to be on. So blows and bruises are not a bad thing because the blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do stripes, the inward parts of the belly. So how else in, in our minds thinking about this? You know, that's, that's hard to think about with, with uh, discipline and correction in that way. But I want you to view it in a couple other ways as well. Look, at, uh, if you're, you're in the book of Proverbs, go to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, how else can a bruise or a wound be a good thing? Proverbs chapter 27, look if you would there at verse number 6. Proverbs 27, verse number 6. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's the same word as, as bruise. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So a, a true friend sometimes... Is not afraid to wound you. Now, what does that mean? They come up and stab you? No, that's not what we're talking about. It's talking about a friend, a good, true friend to you is someone who's not afraid to tell you the truth. Not afraid to say, hey, you're doing this, but because I love you, I need to correct you on something. And, and that's what a true friend does. Brother Doug Fisher, who's down at, uh, you know, in Lemon Grove and has been here many times. I've told this story before, but it's just so great. He was talking to one of the missionaries we support a long time ago, and they became fast friends. But uh, he, he, this missionary had gone to the conference at Brother Fisher's, and they went out to coffee together. And Brother Fisher sat down and asked this missionary, he said, wound me, brother. The missionary said, say again? And he said, wound me, brother. In other words, what he was saying was, what did you see that needs changing? You've been to the church, you've seen us, you've watched us. Don't be afraid to wound me. Don't be afraid to correct me. Don't be afraid to, uh, to get me on the right track if you've seen something that we're doing wrong. And I think that's a great sign there. No, nobody is really asking for correction. No, no one naturally says, wound me. Hey, bruise me, beat me up. Tell me what's wrong. We, we don't like that type of stuff. Go to Proverbs 19. Go back a couple chapters here. Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. So a bruise can be a good thing when a friend is wounding us or correcting us. But look at Proverbs 19 verse 25. The Bible says smite. There's that word. It's, it's a different word for us in English, but the same word. Smite, or, or uh, stripe, that, that word. Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware. 
and reprove one that hath understanding, and he will understand knowledge. Smite a scorner, smite a scorner, smack, uh, uh, give blows to a scorner, and the simple will beware. So uh, sometimes discipline for the corrupt person warns the impressionable person not to follow that path. So, you know, so blows and wounds are a good thing, even when you're correcting someone that is a scorner. Why is it necessary to do that? It's necessary to correct someone so that the person that's watching, that's watching that happen, doesn't say, oh, they get away with it, I can do it too. No, it's important for correction to take place so that even impressionable people, simple people, see what the right thing to do is. Look, I'd rather be punished now than sit in a prison, <laughs> sit in a prison cell for years later. I'd rather, as a parent, discipline my children when they're young and teach them that actions have consequences than watch them grow up and become lawless and criminals and sit in jail for the rest of their lives. I'd rather the discipline come early. I'd rather that that, that, that happens when they are kids than them have to learn that by force later on. Well, if that's true of kids, that's true of Christians too. We need to learn to accept discipline. We need to learn to accept correction. So the the verse is telling us here, discipline is necessary sometimes. Oh, but I don't like it. But it's necessary. Who likes the discipline? And the sooner, here's the thing about God's discipline. God often, when he disciplines, will start out with a rebuke or a warning shot. And he will warn you. The the discipline will will be small at first. But just as it is with parents, if you're not going to respond to that discipline, then God is forced to use more drastic measures. Why? Because God loves us, and he's trying to correct us. He's trying to bring us back in to get us to a place of repentance because it matters. He doesn't want us to ruin our life. So when we're looking at that, we we need to accept the discipline, and we need to, and and the, the quicker we obey the discipline, the quicker the chastening hand of God comes off our lives. And there's some people that just live with the chastening hand of God upon them because they refuse to respond to the discipline that God wants to give. Now, hold on. With me talking about stubborn people that refuse to learn and, and people that get bruises from God and all that, I'm not talking about abuse. Okay, that's not what this verse is talking about. I'm not saying, you know, hey, beat your kids. Be, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, cause bruises and, but, but, or that God loves to hurt people. That's not what it's saying. I'm stating what the scripture is stating, and that is that we all need discipline and chastening from time to time to keep us from a greater transgression. That's what discipline does. It keeps us from the greater transgression. We often speak about what our body needs. Our body needs, and if we were to talk about it tonight, what does our body need to survive? We would talk about our body needs nourishment. Our body needs food. Our body needs water. Our body needs rest. Our body needs physical activity or exercise. Our body needs nutrition and and fellowship. All these different things our body needs. We could talk about what our spirit needs tonight, uh, the needs that we have on the inside, how we need rest and we need peace and we need nourishment and joy and All of these needs that we have, but have you ever stopped to consider that your body and spirit need chastening sometimes? I need food, and and spiritually we need food, but sometimes we need correcting. I need water, and, and, and I need peace on the inside, but sometimes we require correction too. It's a necessary part of life. When I was a kid, 
Uh, when I did something that I was not supposed to do, or I said something I was not supposed to say, or whatever it may be, my parents would help me remember why it was a bad idea to do that. And you know what I found? That their lessons really stuck with me. And it wasn't the lesson where we sit down and explain it. It was the lesson where we sit down and we feel it. It was that type of lesson. But you know what that correction did for a simple child who did not understand biblical principles and all of that of, of why I should obey and the love of Christ constraineth me? You know what happened to that kid? I learned to obey. And I learned that my dad would send a warning shot from time to time. And my dad's warning shot looked like this. And I'd be doing something, it was like his eyes would, like the eyebrows would start pointing down. And he would just, you know, like flames would start coming up, you know, and like smoke from behind him and, and all this kind of stuff. And you know what I learned? Oh, that's right. He doesn't like that. And that's bad. And if I keep doing this, I'm going to have to be corrected. And, and you know what it did? It kept me from the greater transgressions. Because all it took was that warning shot from dad to say, okay, you're right, dad, I'm wrong. You know, I don't want that punishment. But, they, but they, I will do better next time. Why? What is this teaching us? The lesser evil subdues the greater evil. And yeah, no one likes to punish their kids. No one in the right mind. No one likes to be punished. But the punishment, the lesser evil, so to speak, it subdues the greater evil. Because when you don't get punished, what happens? You think, I got away with it, and I'll do it again, and I'll do it again, and then the greater, trans the greater punishment comes upon you because you did not respond to the lesser punishment. And if you won't respond, the punishment gets greater and greater and greater. You know the Bible says there is a sin unto death? There is a sin unto death. There are certain things you can do. You can get to a certain point where God just takes you off this planet. He says, you're done. I remove you. Okay, he has the right to do that. And it's, you, know, uh, you know, we don't talk about this a lot, but it's true. In today's culture in which we live, there's no discipline. You ever go to the store? You know, you wonder, did the kid drive the parent, like, you know, because to the store? Because they're certainly, you know, uh, in control of what they buy and all that. And I'm not here to harp on all that, but there's no discipline. There's no correction in our culture. There's no learning. Even, our, our, even in our city here, crime has, has skyrocketed because why? Because we've got a DA, and this is not a political thing, I'm not trying to be political, but we've got a DA that's doing this to people that commits crimes. And they're saying, we're not even going to prosecute people unless it's a felony or whatever, you know? And, and so what, is that ha what happens when that happens is that a bunch of other people are looking around going, well, I mean, if I'm going to get away with it, well, I mean, if they're not going to punish me, well, I mean, I can, and, and you can just see blazing. I've seen the videos where bla just brazenly where, where people will walk up to someone's house and just take something. We had our rugs stolen. Our rugs. There's a camera there. The guy walked up nonchalant, looked around. He was dressed nicely. He got his backpack and he pulled out a rope. He wasn't looking around like this. He wasn't doing this and, and hiding. He didn't look around one time that I saw in the video. He just walked up and thought, well, I'm going to take these. They're here. You know, why not? He knows he's, no, who's going who's gonna to go to jail for that, right, or in our culture right now? And so he came up and he, and so, I mean, it, like the video is like four minutes long. Like normally with a thief, you know, you're like looking around, and not that I'm an expert, but, you know, you're looking around and, 
and you run and you know and you're hiding and you grab the stuff and you take off and you're smooth and cool. This guy was like, oh, okay, let me see how I'm gonna do this here. Let me work this situation now. Let me drag them all together. And he pulled out a rope, he rolled them up, and those things are heavy. And he put the rope around it, ties it in the knot, and just picks them up and just strolls off into the darkness. We've had, I think, three staff members with cars stolen over the past year and a half. Uh, you know, and, and I regret doing it, but I'm just kidding. It wasn't me. But, uh, you know, there, there, it's, just, it's amazing what happens in a society when discipline and correction are not there. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11 says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. When you don't come down with punishment right away, then it just shows everybody else that we're not going to get punished, we can do it too. And, and I'm not here to harp on society, I'm more talking to Christians today, but it's just an example for us to see that that is something going on in, in society. Consider a couple examples with me, and then I'll give you a couple points, we'll be done. In the Bible, where did some correction take place? There's some interesting things. Nehemiah. You don't have to turn there. But Nehemiah, there's an interesting story you, you may have not picked up in there. But towards the end of Nehemiah, as, as he's coming in to, to rebuild the wall in 52 days and to get Israel, you know, working in the right way and everything, what, what, what does he do when he comes in there? There's some men in there that broke the commandments of God. And they went and they got wives from foreign nations, godless nations. And they brought them back. And you know what Nehemiah did? He had them beaten. Did you know that? Nehemiah, a great leader. He was a great leader, but he also knew about discipline. And so he took those men and he said, you guys did what? You went and married godless people? When, God, when we're trying to do this great thing for God, you just do, beat them? And he, he taught them a lesson. There's other passages that talks about teaching with thorns and briars and things. How about the prodigal son? The prodigal son uh, goes off and, and loses all of his money, his inheritance, and finds himself in the pig trough eating the pig food. And in, the, in, in that moment, the, uh, you know, he comes to himself and goes back to the father. What does that teach us? Sometimes the blows and bruises come in different ways than what we think. Sometimes it's not a physical thing. Sometimes God just lets us hit bottom. And that's what happened to the prodigal son. Take your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We read this. We read this every month. But I wonder if we stop to think about it. Proverbs chapter, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look if you would at verse number 28. <clears throat> But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that, and, he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. The word sleep is die. They're, they're, they die. Why? Because they're not examining, they're not judging. Verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. That is God's chastening hand. That is why the blows and the bruises come. 
Look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, since you're there. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. Paul is writing to deal with some issues here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, look at verse 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. He said, we don't even hear about this amongst the unsaved people, so to speak. That one should have his father's wife. That's gross. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this thing might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in the body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our, our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus." Wow, so that discipline was pretty intense there. What is Paul doing? What's, what's that punishment going to be? Not completely sure, but verse 2 seems to indicate he's at least going to be kicked out. He's going to be removed, going to be kicked out. But notice that it says there in verse 5, to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Not the body, but the flesh. So he probably is not going to be killed, but there is going to be punishment. That fleshliness needs to die. And uh, th there needed to be physical discipline in order, <clears throat> excuse me, in order for repentance to take place. That he said they might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. The soul is what's important there. And, 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 they, and Paul's saying, you're not supposed to condone that sin. You're not supposed to be okay with that sin. You're not supposed to, uh, you know, just, you're supposed to deal with that sin. And if they refuse to repent, refuse to repent, he said, hey, then you give them over. Now, I think this was an apostolic thing. I don't think in, in church we're supposed to be giving people over to the devil. I think that was definitely something that Paul uh, could do here. He did it again in 1 Timothy. I think it was or 2 Timothy. But it, the, the thought there is, look, they needed salvation, but they were not going to receive truth unless they were corrected. They needed correction. I want you to go one more place, one more place, and then I'll wrap it up here. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Some of you may know already where this passage is going. Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to look here just for a moment of why we should accept correction with joy. No one likes correction. No one likes the bruises. No one likes the wounds. No one likes the blows that correct us, that discipline us, where God gets the hook out and tries to bring us back in. It doesn't feel good at the moment, but it is necessary, and it is a good thing. It is a good thing. Why should we accept correction with joy? I want to, first of all, I'll show you here from Scripture, why we should correct, uh, accept correction with joy. Number one, it proves that we are the children of God. Correction proves that we are the children of God. Look at verse number, chapter 12, verse number 7. If ye endure chastening... God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are, all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. You're, you, you are fatherless. You don't have God as your father. So what is he saying there? He's saying the very fact that God is correcting you and chastening you is a good thing because it proves that he's your father. Here's the thing, I don't discipline other people's kids. Now, I know back in the day, like, back, like way back in the day, 
like not my day, but some of your, your day, like the neighborhood would punish your kids. Like, you know, hey, this kid's acting up, I'm taking my belt off. You know, you need to learn a lesson. And like people were okay with that. And I grew up in the South, that was still quite a thing. You know, I, I, thankfully that never happened to <laughs> somebody else's parent, you know, spanking me or something. But, but uh, that was the thing. Like it took a village to raise, to raise the village idiot, you know. But uh, it took a village to raise kids. But, but uh, I don't discipline someone else's kids. Now, I know in school th- sometimes we have to do so. But, but generally, I don't go to the store and say, excuse me, ma'am, you're being a terrible parent. Let me please correct your child. Sir, sir, I'm going to just take over discipline. I don't do that. And God doesn't correct someone else's kids either. The, the devil is the father, in John chapter 8, verse 44, of those that are lost. And God correcting us shows that we are his children. If you are not, let me just say this, if you are not feeling a correcting hand from the Holy Spirit of God when you know you're doing something wrong, if you're not feeling that correcting hand every once in a while, you may want to look at whether God's your father or not. Because the Bible says that God chasteneth his own. So it's a good thing because it proves that we're God's children. Why else should we accept correction with joy? Because correction, number two, proves that God loves us. Did you ever think about that? That correction proves that God loves you? It does. Look at verse 5 and 6. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And look, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. That's a hard word. In John chapter number 15, it talks about, you know, we are the, he is the vine, we are the branches. Did I get that right? Yes, he's the vine, we're the branches. And and sometimes pruning has to take place. And those processes are not fun, they don't feel good. But what is it meant to do? To purify. And it shows that God cares about us, that God loves us. He cares about what we do. He cares about what direction we're headed in. He doesn't want us to ruin our lives. So what does he do? He corrects because he loves. I think that the parent, you know, we think oftentimes that in our society, the parent that's correcting their kids doesn't love them. But in fact, the parent who refuses to discipline their kids is the one that doesn't love them. Scripturally. Because why? Because they love themselves too much. Well, I don't want to discipline because then they'll be mad at me. Then you love you too much. But the Bible says if you love them, correct them. Because they need to learn the lesson now so you don't have to be forced to learn it by officers later on or by society or by God or whatever. You, if you love them, correct them. And God loves us. So you know what God does? He corrects us. Correction proves that we're the children of God. Correction proves that God loves us. But lastly tonight, correction is done for our good and for his glory. Correction is done for our good and for his glory. Look at verses 9 through 11. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. My dad corrected me. And and we gave them reverence. We respected them. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days, who, who's they? The, the, the fathers of our flesh, our earthly fathers. For they fairly for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, whenever they wanted, for whatever they wanted. But he, God, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. When you're getting, you know, as a kid, when you're getting spanked or whatever, that, that doesn't seem to be joyous, but it's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. 
So look what it says there. We're talking about it's for our good and for his glory. Verse 10 says, but he for our profit, for our profit. So God disciplines us to help us to prevent more punishment. So can I ask you tonight, are you responding to the chastening hand of God? And if God is doing something in your life, and if God is trying to correct you, it may be lovingly right now, it may be just He's speaking to you, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in messages, but you are stubbornly saying, no, can I warn you? When you do that, a greater degree of punishment is coming. A greater degree of correction will come when you start to put off God. Here's what we need to realize, and I wrote this in my Bible, God gave me this. God gives us bruises from time to time to prevent us from getting scars. God gives us bruises from time to time to prevent us from getting scars. What is, when you go out into the world and you live a certain way, sometimes you come back with scars. Sometimes you come back with things that will never leave you, decisions that you cannot undo. And so what does God do as a parent? He corrects. He corrects so that we don't get the scars. I want to encourage you today, respond at the first sign of correction from God. Don't be stubborn. Don't be hard-hearted. If God is saying change something, then you change it. If God is saying stop do, doing something, then you stop doing it. If God is saying start doing something, then you start doing it. Why? Because he loves us and he's going to correct us because he doesn't want our life ruined. Punishment, correction, discipline, chastisement. These are not bad things. And I want to encourage you to accept them from the hand of God. And also we need to accept correction from our authority as well. And just in case, as we close, just in case that you start thinking the chastening is too much, and just in case you start thinking that the chastening you're having is unjust, let me remind you of one verse. Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes ye were healed. He took your bruise. He took the blows. He took the stripes for us. So when we think it's unjust or whatever, I know we've talked about fairness this morning, let's remember that Jesus took the, the, the most difficult bruises for us and the chastisement that we really deserve. I wonder tonight, is God correcting you? Has God got you in a season of discipline right now? Respond. And the sooner you respond, the quicker the season ends. Learn from it, move on. And then do, do you welcome the correction or do you resent it when God does it? No, he's your father. He's doing it because he cares for you. Our father, we thank you so much that at times the correction doesn't, it never feels good, but it yields a great fruit. It yields a great increase in our life. And I pray God.